He's blunt, but he's fair. This is Drew Berquist, former counterterrorism officer, realist, and host of This Is My Show, which starts now. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm. Interesting. I'm Drew Berquist. This is my show. It's Thursday, the last episode of the week. That was mobster Joe Biden saying that you heard him. No one F's with a Biden. So, so no one. Man, I love it. I love it. I love how how powerful he he thinks the storm. Yeah, or did he think like the city he was in was named Biden or something? I mean, you know, (laughs) this town's named after me, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, you you know when he's got it together, he's an arrogant douche. Um, so they must have gotten his his meds (laughs) together and 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 at the right dosage that that day. Um. I love it. It's just, it really, you know, as corrupt as they are, as dirty as they are, as much, you know, nefarious stuff as they've been involved in, which is not just me speculating, it's been proven. It only makes sense that he would say stuff like that. Um, but to your point, it's it's impressive that he's even with it enough to, to say that anymore. Uh, all right, lots to get into today. Going to talk Biden again. We're going to talk how he's putting politics over the American people. Shocker, right? And it's causing some serious issues with oil and energy you thought prices at the pump were bad before just wait just wait they're gonna get worse not happy about it but it's all avoidable could have been DeSantis keeps winning we'll show you some clips of that Kerry Lake winning show you some clips of that we got lots of stuff we're gonna get to it's gonna be a fun episode then in booze and banter we got the Minneapolis mayor still doing stupid stuff ridiculous stuff you got a pastor who just <laughs> laid into Joe Biden at this church during a sermon. It's pretty epic. We'll show that. Talk some new GOP no, uh, poll numbers that are in. Much more. That'll all be on Locals today. You can see it on the screens, drewberkwist.locals.com. Get on over there. Get yourself an account. You're going to be glad to see you. We have a lot of fun over there. All right. <clears throat> that will be following immediately after the show. And right now, we will do question of the day. There is the bell. And get your thinking hats on, people. This might. Maybe it's an obvious answer to some of you, but the question is this. Who is worse for America, Lindsey Graham or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC? Who's worse for America? Will you send in your responses? Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Gold Co. Guys, if you've got, I tell you this every day, but I mean, a lot of you have done this and thank God you have. If you have an IRA, a 401k, savings account, TSP pension, any of that, things are very scary out there. They're only getting worse. Sadly, we're not celebrating that. We're just telling you the truth. This Biden administration has printed more money in the last two years than the previous 100 years combined. That's a problem. National debt hit a record 31, it's up to $31 trillion now. Inflation, the highest we've seen since 1982. We've got so many issues, it's only a matter of time before the House of Guards comes crashing down. If you've got retirement savings, your money could be at serious risk. Talk to my friends at Gold Co. to see how you can protect your retirement with gold and silver before it's too late. Go to DrewLovesGold.com. They will give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualifying account. 
you will have the peace of mind of knowing that your investments are secure and protected. Get on over there, folks. It's DrewLovesGold.com. Okay, let's get to the responses here. Let's see what we've got. <clears throat> who is the question again? Who is worse for America? Lindsey Graham or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? Carrie Lynn says Graham. Michael Sutton says AOC. Graham. AOC. AOC. Hmm. AOC, another AOC. Lots of AOCs. Okay. Keep them coming in. AOC. More AOC. More AOC. Cortez, for sure. AOC. AOC. They keep coming in. <clears throat> Maybe because I keep saying AOC, people are just typing it. It's like a, you know, that's, that's happening. John says they're both going to ruin the U.S. AK Girl says Graham. Do we have to choose? Yes, you do. I'm sorry. Sorry, Joanne. Okay. I think I just go. What are you going with? I'm uh, I'm going to go with AOC just because there's a lot of people who can get behind her. They like her or whatever because she's young and everything. So she, she, I think she could apply more damage because she can just, you know, because of say following. something. Yeah, because like she could say something, you know, how it's like it's democratic to vote. No, it's American to vote. Get it right, you know. Like, you know, there's certain things that she said that like have swayed things, you know, in a conversation. When it's like, you know, like what, like half of what she's saying is true, but the other half makes it completely wrong. <laughs> and so right. I, it's 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 just like I feel like she, you know, she uh, is. I've heard it in many conversations. She's the ammunition for our fellow Americans that are Democrats to that they use what she says. And it's like, you're completely wrong. Like, stop. Right. You, like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Please stop. Please stop. Right. So no, you're right. Uh, Debbie Youngblood, the question got here late. What was the question? The question is who is worse for America? Lindsey Graham or AOC <laughs> blackjack. AOC is kind of hot. Graham is not. So <laughs> I love how also ginger brought up big booty Latina over there. That's, that's who she's going with. Um, yeah, I think it's a tough question. Did it did made it tough on purpose. AOC's minions are somehow remarkably dumber than she is, which is concerning. The ideas she wants to push forward are in fact a lot of the ideas that are being pushed forward right now. But here's the thing. Here's here's why I think I'm going the opposite direction. You know exactly where she stands. She's not the sharpest tool in the shed. A lot of the stuff she says and thinks about, you know, just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, literally, I don't even know where she's coming from on some of this stuff. But she's also, you know, while the radical left is going more radical left, the Democrat Party is, is gone more radically left, and she has this following that's concerning I think at least you know what you're getting there. You know that she's a disaster. You know that people are going to listen to her. But she also doesn't get much done in Congress. She's got one of the worst ratings in Congress in terms of performance. Now, they all suck, to be clear. But, Graham, you don't know who he is. We don't even know 
Well, we've got lots of questions about him. And also, yeah, as Raven says, he's got greater power in the Senate. Um, I, I just don't like, and, and really, you could say we don't know which side he's going to take on stuff. A lot of the times he, he sides with himself in the D.C. establishment, people on both sides of the aisle, even, but up to and including folks on the left. So I, I, to me, it's the weak establishment douche nozzles like Lindsey Graham that have gotten us into this precarious position. So I, th- I think in a lot of ways, well, nice use of precarious, right? Do you think that's, I mean, <laughs> did you eat your Wheaties this morning? I didn't. I had some eggs and some sausage. Um, but, but uh, look, I think, I think we're here because of people like Lindsey Graham. So even though the policies and things that are happening are all very AOC like, and she is no doubt happy with what's going on, we would have never gotten to this point where this was a legitimate possibility that our country could be sliding into socialism if it weren't for people like Lindsey Graham. If they had stood up, not just given some sound bites here and there, but actually stood up and done something, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, not fake an arrest just for the pub. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, do we know what did, we've talked about before? Do we know what like they make or what she would make a year? What I AOC, can't remember. AOC makes. Yeah, I think it's one hundred seventy-four. Yeah. yeah, could you imagine being like, "Welcome, you get one hundred seventy-four thousand. So, by the way, you're not required to show up at all. Like, no one's gonna keep a you know tabs on you. <laughs> Wait, I don't have to show up and do my job. Sweet. <laughs> Like, oh, sign me up. I'll do it. You know, but no, exactly. I'm, if, I, if I went, if I was going to do that, I'd show up every day and try to make a change. Try my hardest with everything in me. Don't, I wouldn't sleep till I knew I was making a change. But that, that's not what these politicians do. They just line their pockets and they, they're like, you know, it's fine. I'll get, I'll get voted in again. I'll, I'll show up to church and wave when it's election time and, and I'll, I'll, it'll be fine. We'll be good. <laughs> Hold the baby, take a picture, and then, Hold, yeah, the exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, well, good, good, uh, good conversation. Answers are still coming in. Lots of stuff. People saying I missed your comment. I, I do. I miss lots of comments because they f- fly through. Again, I've gotten this little spaceship that I'm in. Screens full of comments everywhere, so it's hard to um, to track them all. But this um, this gives no this this gives you no <laughs> further help. Like further help as to what's actually in front of them. <laughs> no, exactly. I love that you cut to it though. Like, um, BM, I'm running for office. Screw this. I love it. <clears throat> do it do it get involved all right speaking of office and, and people who have run for office and won and who are killing it big shout out to big d ron DeSantis, who got a br- guys he got a bridge built in pine island florida in three days that's this many digits not three years not three weeks not three months three days you can see some b-roll here of the bridge we're talking about Maybe. There it is. But this is the type of can-do spirit that makes us Americans. Shows the divide between Republicans and Democrats. Especially when it comes to emergencies. Taking swift action in the aftermath of said emergencies. Decisive action. I mean, we've seen similar disasters play out in other cities and states. Around the country. And the big difference on how all of it goes is whether the state has a Republican or a Democrat as governor. Democrats are always, I mean, always caught off guard 
and are wandering around like a zombie waiting for someone else to do it, namely the federal government. Sweep in and pick up the pieces. Make things better. On the other hand, typically, Republican governors are, are better equipped to deal with natural disasters, get their states back up and running. But DeSantis, I mean, he's, he's on a whole new level. Whole new level in how he does this. Big, you got Big D and his response team. They had power trucks lined up all over the state, ready to go. Food and water lined up, ready to go. So they could be distributed. Search and rescue teams on standby. Civil engineers ready to start reconstructing critical infrastructure. I mean, look on the screen there. If you're listening to the podcast, you just got to trust me. But there's a line as far as the eye can see, beyond what the eye can see, of power trucks. It's, it's been phenomenal what he's done. And this is not easy. And again, I'm not just saying it because I'm a homer. I do. I love Ron DeSantis. I think he is possibly the best politician in the country right now. And when I say, uh, 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 there's a couple others that are up there, but he's, he's an animal. He's absolutely on top of his game. I mean, this line just keeps going. There was audio to this, but it's like a guy talking to yeah, like his and, wife in the car. And he's like, well, that's a parade. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, God bless Ron DeSantis. Like, he's just, <laughs> he just keeps going. It's fantastic. It, 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 and it keeps going. I mean, I mean now, the, seriously, what were you going to say? I see. The one thing that I loved when, um, you know, when hurricane season came around, not that I loved hurricane season, but one thing I loved was when you would see preemptively before a storm is coming, you would see out of state trucks, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, these state, these, the states would just send them, just go, just go, just be there. Cause you know what? You may not be able to get there once the storm has passed and they just show up and then you'd see churches and you'd see malls, parking lots, just filled with these trucks, just and They're just sitting there. And it's like a, it's like four days before they're like, well, I'm here. Right. But that's what the, that's, you know, and it's like, to me, it's like, that's when you see people rallying together and, you know, and who knows, maybe the state they came from did have a Democrat governor. It doesn't matter. But the fact that they were, they were sent like, it's right. like, oh, thank God. Thank yeah. God for them. Because, yeah. because before that, uh, before, I mean, I think it was like the, I've talked about my senior, how there was all those storms. They didn't do that. And people would, wouldn't have power for weeks on end because trees would be stuck in a row. The power trucks could not get to them. And so then they started doing that, you know, and they probably did up in Jacksonville more before then, but in central Florida and Orlando, they, you never saw out of state trucks there. It was just like, Oh, like they'll come when they come, you know? Right. But you just started seeing that preemptive. And I love that. That line's just awesome to see. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And again, put, put up the, the bridge again. I mean, this, this bridge didn't Engin- exist. <laughs> didn't exist. Engineers and construction crew, they built a bridge in three days. I'm not saying Ron used his hands and got down there and was, you know, pounding away and, and forming, you know, getting this steel infrastructure and putting the concrete port on top of that. But that you can see a Publix truck, which is and not that's a just, light load. That's just, no. And uh, th- th- to me, if I was living there, I saw the public truck crossing the bridge. I'd be like, hallelujah. Like, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Honey, hopefully they got bratwurst. I just got some bratwurst before the show to, to bring home um, for this weekend. Got to have bratwurst for 
for college football. Um, but again, three days. That is that is a response like no other response right there. That's freaking epic. I I'll be honest. I don't even still understand how they build bridges. Like the the construction is just it's 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 fascinating. We've got a huge suspension bridge, the biggest in the state of Florida here in town. And you go over it, I'm like, I have no idea um, how this works. Like, this this is, I don't, I don't want to think about it. But <clears throat> pretty much awesome. He's rewriting DeSantis how things should be done in these. And, he, and he's literally writing the state government emergency 100%. response book. Like, this, this, is, this is what you do. Again, across the board, and I don't care, you, you should be able to see this, liberals. I know there's not a lot of you here, but you should be able to see this. All governors should just say they should talk to their staff and say, what's Big D doing? That's what we need to do. He's taking care of people. He's letting them have freedom. He's letting them work. He's letting them go to school. He's letting them live lives without a mask that does absolutely nothing to help you. And in the response of a massive storm that caused huge devastation, he's acting swiftly and he's doing a better job than anyone's ever done in the face of one of these storms. He's taking care of business. Right? <laughs> I mean, think, think of where we'd be if we, if we flash back to 2018 and you had crack baby Gillum in charge of this response. He, first of all, he'd be passed out drunk after playing naughty games with men and drugs the night before in a hotel room. But like, so he wouldn't even be here. But it wouldn't have gone this well, thank God. Chris probably wouldn't do things that differently if he were governor. Um, <clears throat> but they also even, it's not because they're not capable. They wouldn't do stuff because they need, they would things would go slower, it would work differently because they need their voter base dependent on them. That's, that's how Democrats think. That's how they work. There's, they have no sense of urgency to fix things after a disaster. They might say they care, well, but they don't. Did you, did you hear what uh, Vice President uh, Harris had to say? About equity? Well, no. So she was talking about like, oh, you know, why, why, why is he uh, try, building a bridge in this area and all that stuff? Like it's the black communities and the, you know, the, you know, people in the lower income. Those are the ones that we need to talk about. And DeSantis said this clearing the debris and getting the electrical back up. So uh, you're going to soon see a, uh, linemen brought in by helicopter to places like Sanibel and Pine Island because we don't want to wait for this. We want to do as much as we can now. What is your reaction, Governor, to the, the vice president? It's our lowest income communities, our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions. We have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity. What was your reaction to that? I think she's trying to play uh, identity politics with a, with a storm and a natural disaster. And I think it's ridiculous. And, and, and honestly, we had the FEMA administrator in Florida with us, and she threw cold water on that. So that is not going to happen. It's totally not appropriate. Uh, you don't have to politicize every single tragedy in this country. Um, and I think. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> you don't. You don't. But they will. Again, that's what they do. They placate, they pander. They don't mind that things take long. They're still suffering. I mean, think about it. We've talked about it multiple times over the last, I don't know, week or so. 
17 years ago, 17 years after Katrina, it's still not back to where it should, where, where it was or where it should be. And you had Ray Nagin, who was the mayor now in prison. They do things differently. They do them differently. It's not, it's not good. It's not like a, Oh, different can be good. No, it's not good. in the, in this case, by the way, though, speaking of hurricane DeSantis right there mentioned how FEMA was down there. People have been down there applauding what he's doing. Of course, the mainstream media and the Democrat Party are not. But during his stop in Florida, even Joe, even Joey Bag of Donuts, mobster Joe, who said don't F with the Bidens earlier in his trip, inadvertently gave Ron a compliment. And he likely won't get any free ice cream for, for his misstep from his staff. But take a listen to him say it here. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. It is. It is remarkable. Wait, what'd you say, Joe? Can you <laughs> say it again? What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what, he's, what he's done. Okay. For, I just want to... You got to make sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for once, we can agree with Joe Biden, right? This is a remarkable, monumental moment that we're having right now as a Drew Crew community. We agree with wasn't Joe it, Biden. Wasn't it like two days ago you even said there hasn't been one thing that Joe's done that we can't agree on? And I jokingly said ice cream. Here it is. Here we it we is. found it. We yeah. found the one. Ron's doing a, a remarkable right. job. We agree Be with safe. Mommy Head Joe. Be smart. Be free. See you guys later. <laughs> um, notice how he moved away from him, though. Well, giving the comp Joe did. He moved away from Ron. Can't look too, too chummy to the bloodthirsty Marxists who are no doubt watching, have no doubt hijacked the Democrat Party, and no doubt had a, had a, had a word or two for him. After he got done with that, I'm sure he got lost on his way away from the, the, the podium and the microphone. And then they pulled him aside like, what are you doing? We do not compliment our enemies, even when they're 100 percent right. And they're doing things like he definitely got. But he's doing a good it. job. <laughs> no, <laughs> hurricanes are racist. Uh, so the left has been trying to take him down, take him down. They're going to continue to do it again. He is enemy number two behind Trump. Because they know how good he is. He's really good. And, 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 and for some of the same reasons they hate Trump, but also for some different reasons. So they're just going to keep doing it. <clears throat> and they're going to keep trying to tear him down. Because remember, the left doesn't build things. They only destroy. That's all, they, that's all they're capable of. All right, then there's no segue for this. So we're just going to move into it. Um, remember when Alec Baldwin murdered someone? Wow, way to just dive right into there. <laughs> right? I mean, so it hasn't been that long since he murdered Helena Hutchins, who was the DP, right? She was the director of photography, cinematographer, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, DP, cinematography, the same thing. She was also camera operator as well. She was running the camera. So Okay, so, so yeah. they're on the set. She's running that. Alec Baldwin murders her with a gun. And now they're going to resume filming. The 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 film Rust is going back into production in January of 2023, and <laughs> this whole story is just so weird. It's what's it's not weird because they're going back into production and because Alec Baldwin's not in jail being manhandled by some big guy named Bubba. Like that should be happening, but it's not weird because of that. What's weird 
is after Alec Baldwin murdered Helena Hutchins, he then is the, he's the person that Russ, the film, used to come out. He made an announcement on Instagram. I'll read part of the announcement. It said, we've reached a settlement subject to court approval for our wrongful death case against the producers of Rust, including Alec Baldwin and Rust Movie Productions, LLC. As a part of that settlement, our case will be dismissed. Another part of the settlement included Matthew Hutchins, Helena's husband, will now be executive producer on the film. Can I chime in? Yes, please do. All that means is he was promised points at the back end or something, which in Hollywood, this is going to be the next best film ever. Like it's going to be, it's going to be huge. You know, like it's, it's it like he's sell it up to him and, and don't worry all the money you're going to make on the back end. It's going to, it's going to pay for all this stuff. I hope, I hope that this is just a flop because that would be the worst thing that, you know, like Matthew Hutchins should get more than just that. Yeah. There should be more. There should be Alec Baldwin should take serve time. Come on. There's things that happen. There's no price that can be okay for a death of a loved one. I'm sorry. It's just not okay. Like, well, it's just a weird, like literally you're going to now go work. And yes, it's about points and it's about name credits and it puts him in kind of a different category for future products. Cause he was um, pro- projects. I should say, excuse me. Cause he was working on this. But literally, the star actor in it murdered your wife, and you're like, "Look, I can let that slide as long as I, I just get, get an EP credit. As long as I get an EP credit, and maybe you know a chunk of the insurance, you know, refund that that comes with it. Uh, I mean, like, I I wonder is he going to get a a single nameplate, or is he going to be like mashed up with like three or four other executive producers? You know, like I would think he's going to get a single nameplate because. <laughs> Again, his and that's wife a big was deal. murdered. Like if you, if you know nothing about Hollywood, a single nameplate, uh, like like graphic, is a huge deal. It 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 gives you status, it, like beyond measure in Hollywood. So if he got that, it's a it's a big deal. You're right; it would elevate him to the next next bracket, essentially. But at a high cost. I mean, that's what he's thinking. Yeah, like, oh, he's yeah. thinking to get something yeah. out of it. It's like, bro, you are sick and twisted. What you're what you're accepting and doing here, like. I just don't really have words for it. It makes perfect sense because it's Hollywood and almost everyone out there are scum and don't have morals and values. This is a perfect, I mean, you're not like selling your soul to the devil himself with this, but you're definitely like right outside the gates of hell. Like you're, this is a, this is a very peculiar move. I think. Well, they, you know, they said there's seven and hopefully she's somewhere better than on a set with, with Alec Baldwin, who has a gun pointed at her. Like, I'm looking down like, seriously? Like, you sold me out <laughs> to be yeah. an executive producer? Like, you, instead of... Tr- this should be a slam dunk murder case, whether it's involuntary or whatever. Slam dunk murder case, homicide case. And instead, we're going back to production, and you're going back to work with the person who killed your wife. It's just... It's it's crazy. Because well, it's because it's even like if this was like a normal thing, and then it's like, well, this person supplied the gun and everything. There's like accessory to murder and all this stuff. So everyone else who was involved, who put their hand on that weapon, would also be someone who would be accused and serve time or have to pay a fine, whatever it's going to be. But it's like it seems like they're just all going to walk off scot clear, yeah, and clean. And that's it's true. It's, fan- it's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> You know what else is fantastic is anytime a squad member opens their mouth, and I'm being facetious, of course, it's, it's, it's 
remarkable. It's hilarious when they do because it's just the stuff that comes out is ludicrous. So, and one of them did again because you had Congresswoman uh, Corey, I hate the police, Bush, who is a squad member. And she went on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah before they fire him um, and tried to walk back her whole defund the police mantra. You know, it's, it's it, the midterms are almost here. So you've got Democrats trying to say, no, we never said it exactly that way. Like, yes, you did. Like, there's literally days, not hours or minutes, days worth of clips of you saying it and saying exactly what you mean with it. But here's what she had to say as she tried to walk it back on The Daily Show. I'm not anti-police. Not in any way. I want police to do police work. I don't want police to be therapists. I don't want police to be mental health providers. I, you know, I don't want police killing black folks, you know, um, mm -hmm. disproportionately in this country and with, and, and with impunity. I want folk to be safe in my community. And because I have the power her. of the pen and the power of the purse, along with my colleagues, it's up to me to do something about it. I, myself, being a victim of police violence, but witnessing um, other other families go through this, sitting with those families, hearing those stories. I'm a Ferguson pr protester. I remember 400 days of protest and protest after that. My purpose is to change what we allow, change what public safety is. It should be actual safety for all, not for some. It should be for all. And if, if, if me being, uh, me being, getting criticized and attacked and, and being isolated um, is what has to happen to bring that about, to help the conversation continue to move, that's fine because it can save a life. If I save one life, then it was worth it because somebody died because we didn't push harder. Okay. Wasn't she the same person who, like, I want to defund the police, but then she like demanded a security detail. Yes, that would be her. Okay. That would, yeah, that I just want to make sure that I, I'm I'm getting the right person here. Sorry, that would absolutely be her. Uh, and it, look, it, first of all, it's hard to take her seriously with with the crazy extensions, the fake fingernails. It's just so I don't I don't get that look, ladies. Uh, there's a lot of things that us men do that are 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 bad. I just don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of those those particular looks. Those and the really big eyebrows too. By the way, I was with someone the other day. Like I almost I feel like I almost got hit in the face by them. Like whoa! Like, like they get the they get the uh, the big fat sharpie from Walmart. Like, and that's sorry, not the eyebrows, the eyelashes. This this you eyelashes? know some people are doing yeah. the the bigger yeah. eyelashes, the fake, the fake like, eyelashes. Hey, keep yes. your eyelashes in your own zone, okay? Um, <laughs> Well, it's if they wear glasses, it helps clean the inside. You know, it's mm, like a, that's what it is. It's there's yeah. a, a dual purpose to it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she like, I don't even. How do you type with those things? By the way, if you've got those long fingernails, can you type? Well, I wish I wish I was prepared for this, but there's this scene in Family Guy where. Uh, Peter Griffin is like he's being like an operator and he's got the long nails like how can I direct your call and he's 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 trying to type on the phone <laughs> I would have totally played that but I don't have it well she probably doesn't have to respond with those nails because it's it's systemic racism to have to type um on a keyboard I've heard that I don't know if it's true um <clears throat> but let's let's talk about what she actually said not just her fingernails in her hair okay because her very her her first sentence that she said she says I'm not anti police. Then she takes a gulp before her next sentence, a hard swallow, kind of giving us the tell that she isn't being truthful in what she's about to say. Okay. She then says, "I want them to do police work." 
That would be nice. So does everyone else. I don't think you really do. But like everyone else and her, her friends and, and colleagues in the, the victim class, she doesn't lay out any real examples or define what she wants police to do. What does that mean? I want police to do police work. Instead, she lays out what she doesn't want them to do. Here's what I, Corey Bush, don't think is acceptable, and I will not allow it on my watch. Because I got the pen and I got the purse, as she said. It's a common communist tactic. Don't give specifics of what you want them to do. She just rambles on. <clears throat> so my, my whole thing is where she's like, I don't want them to be a health provider. So what you're saying is, is as because as a first responder, you have to learn how to do basic life, you know, saving techniques. So you're saying if a cop shows up and you're passed out, you need CPR. Like, well, well, Corey Bush said she doesn't want me to do this, so I'm not going to do. No, I I think that's you know, in like, response to all the all the you know. There's lots of of municipalities around the country who like we're like we're not going to send police to these types of events. We're going to send social workers or you know, emotional health workers, people like that. And gotcha. I think, okay. I think she's right. trying to refute that, even though she doesn't actually want, I mean, again, give us, give us an example. Tell us what you mean of what you want. All she said is what she doesn't want. Like we want police to arrest these hordes of, of people who are ransacking businesses, stealing merchandise. But she didn't say that. And, and if, perpetrators are disproportionately black then it's systemic racism but she's she's happy to spew out again what she doesn't want another communist tactic dwell on negativity she brings up what you just said i don't want them to be therapists and mental health providers and then she says i don't want police killing black folks disproportionately in this country and with impunity again i'm surprised she knows what that word means she probably she probably doesn't but that last sentence that she says there as we have proven time and time over, time and time over again, is a flat-out lie. Even the FBI, your, your, your proxy force, says that's not true. Police officers, regardless of race, are seven times more likely to be killed by a black suspect than a police officer killing a black su suspect. And when you look at the stats of who police officers kill, it's more whites than blacks. You can say whatever you want. But that is the data. The data does not lie. And then they spew the data of like white cop, white cops, more white cops kill black suspects when they've actually said that it's actually like it's almost even or if more black cops shoot shooting black suspects. Like, right. It's, it's like they, they, you know. they have they have zero truth in anything they say when it comes to that. It's just. It's ridiculous. The, 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 the I mean, it's any time they talk about law enforcement specifically as it pertains to how it's enforced in the black community and how they try and make it seem like it's totally different. It's not anytime they talk about the second amendment, any of that stuff, it, it, it's all lies. They throw out some sentences that were they true? Be like, man, that sounds awful. But here's the big kicker. They're not true. The statements are not true. And of course you had soon to be unemployed. Trevor Noah, who just goes along with it, doesn't question any of it. It's, it's funny. <clears throat> and the rest of everything she said was obviously trash and garbage. But the problem is you can't have a rational debate with these people. 
And as I think it was June earlier said over on Facebook, 33 days, is it June? Is that where we're at now? 33 days to save this country. And they have to be defeated in this upcoming election so badly that they retreat, hide under a rock for a long, long time to regroup and figure out like, man, how come America didn't want this country to go to shit? How come they didn't want it to go and go along with this plan that would take stuff from people and make them reliant upon big government and us? I hope I, I, I hope that we curb stomp the piss out of them. I'm concerned that we won't, though. Concerned that we won't. All right, everyone hit that like button. The positive button, whatever it is, wherever you are. It's the plus sign, literally, on Rumble. It's the Boxing Glove app if you're on, on their, on their uh, Boxing Glove sign. Excuse you're me, on, on their, their app. app. Yeah. Uh, you know how to do it on Facebook. You know how to do it on YouTube. Please make sure you are subscribed, whichever platform you're on. If you're on Facebook, make sure you're still subscribed. As I always tell you, they will unsubscribe. You've probably been unsubscribed dozens of times because they hate America. They hate opposing opinions. So make sure you're still there. Make sure you get an account at Rumble. If you haven't, it's easy. It's Drew Berkwist. Excuse me, rumble.com forward slash Drew Berkwist. You can usually see it on the screen in the lower thirds. Uh, you'll see it several more times today throughout the show. Then this next part of the show is brought to you by MyPillow. Our good friends over at MyPillow guys have amazing deals going on always, and they have the best deals for our listeners of the show. If you're a viewer or a listener here, use promo code Drew over at MyPillow.com. You're going to save up to 66% off on a lot of items there. Right now, they've got this great deal on MyPillow bed sheets, which are amazing. We use them at the house. They're as low as $29.98 with the promo code Drew. But again, the deals don't stop there. You can share this, and you should share this with friends and family, colleagues. Whether you agree with them politically or not, everyone needs a good night's sleep, right? So get on over to MyPillow.com. Use promo code Drew to save up to 66%. All right, folks, we're going to be on Locals today. We're going to be back here in a few seconds. Stick around. To sign up at Locals for both free and exclusive content from Drew Berquist, head over to drewberquist.locals.com and join the community today. All right, so some big news this week. Not good news. But big news, OPEC has decided that they're going to slash oil production, which means the price of gas, which, by the way, as much as the Biden administration wants to say, it's down right now. It's down from where you took it to a record, a, a U.S. record in this country. And now with this news from, from OPEC... Things are about to go up. Prices at the pump are about to go up. I'm sorry to say it. I don't, I don't take delight in saying it. I don't want to pay for it. You don't want to pay for it, but we're all going to. Mel, glad you're here. Thanks, thanks for being here first time. But they're going to slash it. And remember, as this happens, the Saudis and the Russians are sidelining the United States of America. As, as all of this happens, 
Biden and his Marxist goons canceled the Keystone Pipeline as soon as he got installed into office. Now, a lot of people will argue that that had little to no effect on the price of gas, which may or may not be true in the immediate time, time frame, but you got, you got, you, I mean, think about this. Were it not to have been shut down, were we to continue developing it and growing our own resources, of which we were leaning upon heavily under the previous administration, our own resources right here, just from the Keystone XL alone, it would have pumped out 830,000 barrels a day. That's a fact. As someone opined on Twitter, and I tend to agree, canceling the Keystone XL was a move that will go down, well, this I'm paraphrasing this, but will go down as among the worst decisions in American history. And were we to actually still teach history in a fair, balanced, and reasonable way, this would be something that will be studied for years and years to come, decades to come. Or again, at least it should be. We get over a million a day from OPEC per day, or we did. And in response to all of these man-made problems by the left, the regime, KJP and everyone else, the White House, they keep blaming oil companies, saying they're, they're not using their leases to drill because they want gas prices to rise so they can make more of a profit. That's just not true. It's another lie from this radical party who hates you, hates this country, wants to get rid of everything that you've leaned on, everything that you need to survive, and radically change things so then they are in charge. You need to come to them to get stuff. But these oil companies do have the leases. They're right. They've got them. But the government is not granting any drilling permits. So what good does it do? It's hard to get to work when they're telling you you cannot do it. Check out, not this one here. Let's do the, the other one, Disco. Um, two clips. Let's do 14, yeah. So look at this graph that Michael Schellenberger tweeted. The Biden administration, well, yeah, we'll blow it up a little bit. The Biden administration has leased fewer acres for oil and gas drilling offshore and on federal land than any other administration in its early stages dating back to the end of World War II. Biden, way at the bottom of the screen there, it's such a small, you can't even see the blue bar because it's such an insignificant number. If you can't read the letters, that long bar in the middle of the screen is from Reagan. But all of their policies, as I always say, go to just prove Democrats hate you in our country. It's so obvious. And there's some people who are dumb enough to believe them. We're like, God bless America. I love this country. And let me sign this bill here that tears down everything that's ever made it what it is as we try and hit the reset button. But this is all a big story. So Saudi Arabia is doing more business with Russia and China. And we're left because of our, our poor decision-making here at home, our poor decision-making abroad, how weak we are. And because you got Joe and, and, and people, his handlers, saying, we need to go this direction, forget the fossil fuels, forget the fossil fuels. Guys, we're not ready to forget the fossil fuels. We need fossil fuels. We need the oil. And instead of being energy independent, 
by producing our own oil. The Biden regime has doubled down, is now deleting as this is as we're going through all of this, as our relationship is soured with OPEC, the Saudis, as things are going on with Russia. He's been destroying our oil reserves. And it's all happening to affect the prices of, of the price of gas ahead of the midterms. You've got these all important midterms in 33 days. The fate of the country very likely hinges on what happens in the next 33 days. Somewhat dramatic, yes, because there's still hope, depend, even if it goes bad. But <clears throat> I'm telling you, folks, this is a big election. They know that. They know that everything they have done since they've gotten into office has been disastrous for this country. Everyone's feeling it. Everyone is pissed off at them. So they're trying to lower gas prices. And to do so, they're taking it from our, our national oil reserve. I mean, look at this chart here. And, and, and the source is the U.S. Department of Energy. By October, the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve will shrink to a 40-year low as the White House taps it to put a lid on global oil prices. I mean, that is not how you... You don't have to be a statistician or mathematician or anything like that or any kind of or analyst. You can look at this graph right here and see that that is not good. As my good buddy Jesse said, we can pull up a tweet from him. Joe Biden draining our oil reserves just to mitigate Democrat losses in the midterm elections might be the most despicable thing a president has ever done. And I hope it blows up in their faces. I really do. Because America's, uh, American people out there, not all of them, again, we've got some really dumb people here. That's, that's how we have gotten to this point. We've gotten there with weak GOP politicians and a bunch of naive, stupid Americans who, who somehow, in some ways, continue to vote for these people. Sometimes as many as 10 or 12 times. But they're playing political games at a dangerous time. When everyone is hurting right now. They're playing games with our money. They're playing games with our security. They're playing games with all of that. And they're doing it, in this case, with the strategic oil reserves, just to get votes. Meanwhile, as they're doing this, meanwhile, while their policies got us to the point where oil prices were way up, where we didn't have our own oil to tap into, and while they destroyed relationships overseas, we've now got, because of these freaking crazy-ass Marxists, we've got ourselves also on the brink of world war and we don't have any extra oil. We don't have any extra oil reserves damn near period. I mean, it is so depleted. Remember how we talked also a couple weeks ago? Maybe it was a month ago, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, about how the Pentagon was warning that we are desperately low on our, our weapons and ammo reserves? Again, that's not anyone speculating. That was the Pentagon and, and, and senior brass there saying, um, hey, uh, problem. We're giving all of this to Ukraine and, and some other allies. And as a consequence, we're really low here. So we're on the brink of this war. Americans are poor as shit right now. 
Gas prices are about to skyrocket again, as, as, as if they, they, you'd think they couldn't get worse, but they're about to. Our, our national reserves are down. Our weapons and ammo reserves are down, all as we're on the verge of major international conflict. Our recruiting numbers, by the way, too. We talked about that this week. Down. Not a good look. It's not a good situation. And no, I don't, look, I don't think anyone in the U.S., people feel for, for Ukraine. Some people are too emotionally involved in Ukraine. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But no one in, in the U.S. really wants war with Russia, except for like the 5% of the communists who are here in the United States. I mean, it, it would make no sense whatsoever. But yet they're setting us up for it. And it all just, everything they're doing should make it clear that these guys want to break the back of citizens in America. They want to start over again with their utopian vision of an authoritarian government with only a small ruling class made up of liberal elites, lifelong politicians, people who get to make the rules, and then the rest of us. Again, Democrats, if you're a voting Democrat, you're on our team. You're not on their team. Trust me, they don't like you. And all the problems we're having, well, this sucks that we have these problems. We have these problems because you are making these problems. There's, there is a solution for all of our economic woes. There's a solution for the border. There's a solution for, you name it. We're living in this like Franz Kafka novel. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. And the more the government interferes with the private sector, the poorer we all become which, by the way, is also the goal of any authoritarian regime. You have to keep the serfs poor, eliminate the middle class, and that's the only way that the ruling class then has access to all of the resources. And they're playing this game because they want this, but they're playing this game harder, and they're playing it in a more bold fashion. You know why? Because they hate Trump. They hate the guy, and they hate the people who support the guy. And they're reversing all of his policies to prove that their policies of governing were better, better than we had in the past. Don't worry. Even if it's crushing you, it's better for you because we told you so. And like Trump or not, what we're finding out is on a lot of issues, I'm not talking about his tweets. I'm not talking about his, some of his statements. I'm not talking about his personnel decisions because his personnel decisions were bad. But in terms of broader policy discussions, we're finding out that he was right on damn near all of them. And again, you don't have to like him or support him, but you should be able to give him credit for getting this right. Crazy times. Crazy times we live in. All right, I want to get to this Kerry Lake stuff before we go to booze and banter because um, one of the clips is long, but I, still, I want to show it because, I look, I'm not – you guys know me. If you're new here, then you don't, but I'm not all in on any – candidate or party i'm a conservative there's a lot of people i like i like a lot of the people we talk about but i'm never gonna fanboy over any of them that's just that's just how i play the game and i i the same is true for carrie lake i'm very impressed with carrie lake on a lot of fronts i think that she could tone down some of her rhetoric and a lot of other fronts just to be more electable but i think that all all in all She's a pretty damn impressive candidate. She's very well-spoken, very articulate. She's a beautiful woman, which doesn't matter for the sake of politics, but it does to some degree. 
she's she's got the full picture. But here's here's an interview with 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 Jan over at Epic Times, um, who I've sat down with before too. Very nice guy, and it's a great segment and interview on why Carrie Lake decided to run. Take a listen, and then we'll play one other clip. What good is that hefty paycheck? What good is that retirement plan? Those benefits, any perks that came with that job? If we don't have a country, at the end of the day, to enjoy that money in, what good is my retirement if my children don't have freedom? And that to me was like, wow, I, I will run through every last penny that I have to save this country. And I think more and more people, Jan, are waking up to that. We saw it with, um, you know, think of the healthcare workers who were forced out of a job. They were forced to either get the jab or um, leave. And many of them did get the jab. They didn't feel they could leave at that time for whatever reason. Maybe it was the, they had to, um, you know, put food on the table and they had to feed their children. Obviously, that's a stressful, stressful, difficult choice to make. But others said, I'm walking away. I had just had somebody reach out and said, I went through three jobs during all of that. I'm not making as much money as I used to make, but you know what? I've got my principles intact mm -hmm. and I did the right thing. And you know what? My health is intact too. And this was, and we knew this was sort of an insane thing to do, like policy, because these were the people that were, you know, most likely to have natural immunity. They're in close proximity right. to people with COVID all the time. So basically all of them almost had natural immunity or were likely to or had innate immunity, can never get infected. And those are the people you're going to fire. There were so many examples. Now, you know, of things that didn't make sense. The, the airline workers, I mean, talk about being around people and, and, and having immunity. They're around every germ you could imagine all day with their job. And they were being forced to get the jab. So none of this just, none of it made sense. And I decided to, to walk away. But I did not decide to get into politics until after I walked away. When I finally resigned from my job, I. I put out a video because I wanted the people of Arizona to know why I was leaving. I didn't want to just walk away from that and disappear and have them wonder. I wanted them to know, look, I'm leaving this career because something is not right. And you see it, I see it, I know it. And so I put this video out just to let the, the good viewers who had invited me into their homes for nearly 30 years. I put that out to let them know. And what I didn't expect was it would go viral within a matter of hours. Well, and you said you don't like the direction, if I recall, that the media is going in. And so, you know, but the me media have been, you know, liberal, as you said, you know, for quite a long time. I mean, I, I don't think, but there's, there's something different, right? Something changed. Something much bigger. I think it went from, uh, you know, low level bias. At least I always felt like I could keep it on the straight and narrow because I was the last line of defense. When you're the anchor, you're reading the stories. You're, you're talking to the viewer about it. And I always felt like I could kind of make sure we were putting out an, an unbiased product. But I think during COVID, and I'm not the only one in the media who felt like, wow, there's no control about what's being put out right now. We're being controlled by the government. We're being controlled by Fauci. And that's where I, I think it went from a little bit on the low scale to boom, maxing out on just propaganda in a very short amount of time, in a matter of, of weeks and months. So you're initially no interest in politics. I remember you had a, you had a, a very different kind of job actually lined up at the yeah. time. Um, and, but then something, this, people came out. I mean, this is a, what I remember you telling me. I, I was actually planning to go work and do some media training for an, an organization that I care deeply about and, and that does great things. And I thought, you know, 
I had a great career. I'm just going to say what a great career I had. Chalk it up as that's the end of my broadcast career, and I'll move on to something a little more behind the scenes, which I was totally ready to do, be behind the scenes. Actually, I was kind of looking forward to being behind the scenes. After being in the public eye for a long time, it's kind of, it sounded attractive to be behind the scenes. And then an amazing thing happened. I put that video out. It went viral overnight. Thousands and thousands of messages came in over the course of the next three weeks, month. And um, they were so kind, really overwhelmingly wonderful, positive messages. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for covering our state so fairly for so many years. Thank you for telling us what's happening in the media. But one of the common threads that was very common, it was like a steady drumbeat, was would you please consider running for office? We need people in politics who we trust, who understand the issues of our state, who understand us. And the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and we trust you to get in there and clean things up. And at first, I'm going to be honest, I, I laughed. The first few messages I saw that said, get into politics, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm just leaving the corrupt world of, of media, and they're suggesting I go into the even more corrupt world, the swamp of politics. They must think I'm insane. And it, I had zero interest in it, but then it was such a steady drumbeat that I thought, wow, maybe this is God's way of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, I freed you up for this. Well, and so before we jump deeper into issues, because there's a ton I want to cover with you here, but let, let's talk about that. How important does God or the divine fit into, into your picture here? Uh, more and more important every second of every day. I'm so blessed that I, I was brought up in a household where faith was important. My mother was Catholic, my father was Lutheran, so I got confirmed in both churches and we went to Sunday school every week. And, you know, I, that's how it was back when I was growing up. Pretty much every kid had some sort of a religious foundation, something to base in their life what is right and wrong. And I'm so blessed to have grown up in that kind of a family. And of course, in my 20s and 30s, I kind of strayed away after working, you know, a long week and being busy with the kids. I would, I would, um, you know, just hang out on the weekends with them. But I've always felt a connection to God, a very close connection. And frankly, interestingly, it was during COVID that I ended up switching churches because the church that we belonged to was closed for COVID and open by appointment only. And that was when I was going through all of this, really struggling. I remember thinking, we need to get our butts into a church right now. I just felt that need. And I ended up stumbling into a different church, and that church really opened my eyes and changed my life. But during that COVID time, I, I was working from home because half of the staff went home and half stayed at the station just in case we got COVID and we didn't want to you know, get everybody sick. And so I was working from home, and I was finding myself uh, listening to pastors um, on YouTube and listening to different sermons, and I was finding myself reading the Bible a lot more and really leaning on the Bible, which I hadn't read since I was young, since I'd gone through confirmation. And so to have all of this life experience from reading the Bible when I was young in confirmation class to fast forward, now I'm in my 50s, all of that life that has happened, and I find myself opening up the Bible and reading it. In the meantime, I'm also reading news scripts over here, the Bible here, and I'm like, wow, in the news scripts are lies. In the Bible, I found the truth. And so it was really a very powerful period for me spiritually during COVID. And I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people have returned and wrapped their arms around, uh, I don't want to just even call it religion, but around God. All right, so pretty awesome stuff from Carrie Lake. That's why she, you know, decided to run, right? And 
kind of using, I, I, I guess, a boxing metaphor, championship boxing metaphor. She's, she has Hobbs against the ropes. She's landing blow after blow on this chick who won't debate her. And we're kind of at that point right now. And I, look, I don't, I'm not the end-all, be-all of Arizona politics. I can't tell you everything about it. But we're at the point in the fight that if Hops can't, like, avoid a knockout punch, she might squeak out a split decision. But <clears throat> she, she, she either needs to take, take like, she needs to, to, to come back hard and strong against Carrie Lake, who's just gaining tons of momentum, or hope and pray that she gets that kind of a split decision. And maybe that's why she's not debating her. I think there's plenty of reasons why. I mean, but she she knows she'd get that that woman right there is very articulate. Carrie Lake, that is, is very articulate. One would say it's debatable. Hmm. I see what you did there. Yeah. But no, she's she's whooping her ass again. That doesn't mean that Hobbs is done isn't going to win because we as as we've seen over the last two years, it, you can't predict anything anymore. But <clears throat> it's going really well. And here's another body blow. Speaking of, of the, the, the boxing metaphor, here's, here's Carrie Lake landing another significant blow to Katie Hobbs right here in this little press session. Take a listen. For your information, NBC, Katie Hobbs was twice convicted of being a racist, cost the taxpayers $2.75 million. And I haven't seen your organization cover that much. We cannot put a racist in the governor's office. You guys like to call the conservatives, all of these names, neo-Nazi, whatever you, whatever you call us. The true racist is Katie Hobbs, twice convicted. Thank you. Like they want to watch your debate. Actually, they love you. Yeah. And they want to know why uh, Hobbs is not this speaking. Is, we know the whole thing, but what is it from you? This is the first time in our history since we've had this governor debate, the clean elections debate, that the candidate refuses to show up on stage and debate. And I think I know why. She has terrible ideas. Right. And she's trying to say it's because I'm a conspiracy theorist. Then show up on, on the debate stage and call me out, for goodness sakes. She says I'm going to shout at her. I don't know. People who know me best know I'm not a big yeller. No. I want to talk about the issues. It's a, job, it's a job interview. And she needs to show up. I did a forum last night for Univision. And she refused to be anywhere near us. She, she made them put up. Uh, drapes and, and she parked on one side and required that I park on another. This woman is unhinged if she can't face her opponent. We need a strong governor, not somebody who's afraid to debate, not someone who's afraid to even look at me. How is she going to handle the cartels? How is she going to handle all these forces that are working to uh, detract from our quality of life here in Arizona? We need strength in a governor, not someone who's weak. Can you imagine Katie Hobbs having to fight for Arizona? try to bring businesses here and having to compete against a governor, Christy Noem. Christy Noem will eat her up and spit her out. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Governor DeSantis will do the same. We do not want to become California. The policies that my opponent is pushing are policies that will turn us into a state like California, which is a state that is going down the tubes, unfortunately, for the people of California. We need strength. And it's, it's unbelievable that she won't stand up and debate. And this is happening all over the country. They have terrible ideas. They know that people aren't with them, and they're afraid, and they're cowards. And she knows she's going to get called out for being a twice-convicted racist, which the media, the mainstream leftist media, won't cover. 
For your information, NBC, Katie Hobbs was twice convicted of being a racist, cost the taxpayers $2.75 million. And I haven't seen your organization cover that much. We cannot put a racist in the governor's office. You guys like to call the conservatives all of these names, neo-Nazi, whatever you, whatever you call us. The true racist is Katie Hobbs, twice convicted. All right. So pretty strong. I love that Hobbs like literally has them separate. You got to park on different sides of the building. Have a like, come on. Like, could you be any less weak? Could you be any less weak? And I mean, honestly, we've talked about this before. Hobbs has no choice. She, she has to avoid the debate. Carrie Lake would destroy her in round one. It would be over almost as soon as it starts. Because she's on, on live TV. In, in general, she is. But on live TV, she's a stone cold killer. This is her environment. She's made for that moment, Carrie Lake is. And Hobbs, like Fetterman, who's not debating in Pennsylvania, can't afford to show weakness in front of undecided voters. So they're leaning in on the only things the Democrats have, a D by their name and spewing hateful rhetoric against their opponent. That's it. That's all they've got. Nothing else. Be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see how that goes. I'm, I'm obviously rooting bigly for Carrie Lake out there. Did when you were saying like this is her field and stuff, did you ever see the movie The Long Shot with Seth Rogen and uh, Charlize Theron? I don't remember. So the in this movie, the president was an actor on TV, and he got voted in as pres as actual president. Okay. And she goes on TV to say that she's quitting to be the I can't remember what I I think she's like the the Secretary of Defense. I can't remember who who she is in the staff, but she's like I'm quitting to run for president, and he's like. She went on my medium, my medium, like, <laughs> and it's just what I'm, I thought, like, I could totally see her saying that it's my medium. Like, I don't, I don't think I saw that. I, I really it's a, don't. I would, it's a, it's a good movie. And you know, there's actually a really good, like a uh, side story in there where his best friend, he finds out that his best friend is Republican and a Christian. And he's like, what? And he's like, Hey, my love for the GOP and the GOD has nothing to do with our relationship. And they still are friends and stuff. So like, it's a little like side story too, but it's good. It's like they show like, hey, we can all still be friends and think differently. Seth is such want. a douche, though. It's hard to. It's hard to. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so folks, we're gonna do meme tastic because it's Thursday. We're gonna do meme tastic in booze and banter. So you got to get on over there. I'll paste the link again because it's the end of the week. This is the last time we're gonna see each other till Monday. For those of you who haven't been in booze and banter this week, which is, the, the, I'll be honest, the lion's share of you. Most, most of the audience watches on a gazillion other platforms or listens on platforms and, and, and doesn't come over. And we're disappointed, but what, you'll come one day. You'll come one day. Um, I actually have two surprise clips this time. Not as surprising as ooh, I did on Monday. Fun. But two, yeah. yeah. I, I, we, just, we just posted in booze and banter the link for booze and banter. That's, that's awesome. Um, Perfect. But it's, it's, on, it's on all the other <laughs> chats, too. So if you're in booze and banter and confused on if you're in the right spot, now you can be sure. Um, but next Monday, we'll be here. Tuesday um, and some of the other days, we're probably well, just going to have booze and banter or some other stuff because I'm going to be traveling and be doing some other shows. We'll put out information on what shows they will be and where you can watch them uh, on all my different social channels so you can see that. Again, Meme-tastic going to be on Booze and Banter today. We're going to talk about some craziness in Minneapolis. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, this pastor who, who slams Biden. It's pretty awesome. 
So we hope you can come join us. The link is there in the chat. If you can't, we understand, sort of. We hope you have a great rest of your week and weekend. We'll see you Monday. Be safe, be smart, be free. You've just heard Drew Berquist. Tune in weekdays on every major podcast provider or on DrewBerquist.com.